0: This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics.
1: Drive to deep center field, going back, Hernandez at the track, right to the wall, gone, Elvis Andrews.
0: And 29 other MLB clubs. High drive, deep left field,
1: left Guerrero lifts one to left
2: field, and...
0: Well,
2: welcome to the field here on A's Cast Live before the athletics are taking on the Houston Astros, the start of a three-game set between the Strohs and the A's, and this will be at the end. There's the great Stephen Vogt right there. All he does is hit home runs now. That's all he does. Hits home runs. Oh, well, yeah, but big time home running hitter now. Um, so it's going to be three games here. And then it's going to be Rangers, and it's going to be Astros, going to be in Texas, and then we're going to have the All-Star break. we got a jam-packed show for you. you got Ryan Stanek. Remember the opener? We had him on the program not too long ago when he was with the Rays. He was the opener, right? Uh, We're going to check in with him because now he's back just being a bullpen guy. But uh, we always loved having him on. And Steve Sparks has told me, Check it out. He looks like he should be in poison. So I guess he is full-on, looks like 80s hair rock. Can't wait to see that at 415. The general manager, David Forrest is going to be here at 440. And then the Mark Kotze Show brought to you by Nest Betting. You know, one of the great things about being on the field is versatility. I want to be able to show everybody, Cody, everything that is going on out here right now and how just packed. I want you to look at the screen, how that looks. Look at all the stuff that is going on in practice right now. They have all the pitchers are lined up doing PFPs. They're working infield. We, are, we normally don't see this on a regular basis. But, I mean, the A's defense, I think, no question, has been far better lately. And you're seeing, you know, when people say, well, you know, the team's struggling. Are they working? Are they working? Are they trying to make it happen? Oh, yeah. And you're gonna see all the stuff that they're doing from working out their pitchers, they're working out all their infielders. Batting practice hasn't started yet. So this is the this is the work before they start hitting. And because that they've been doing this, I think there's no question, and I know Ken Korak and I have talked about this, there is a reason they have gotten better defensively, because they're really making it a priority. If you're not going to be great at scoring a ton of runs, you better be good at pitching. You better be good at defense. What we have seen with their starting pitching has been a lot better. The bullpen has been a lot better. Hopefully when Danny Jimenez comes back, that will make the bullpen better. But no question, picking up, throwing the ball, everybody contributing defensively, it has been a plus for this team.
3: Oh, for sure. And I just got a text. The great Steve Sparks will be over at 445. Beautiful. So we got Sparks here. You like right the look
2: of that just to kind of give people the idea of what's going on out here.
3: Yeah. It's uh, the
2: benefit of being here. And you and you mentioned real quick, you mentioned
3: Ryan Stanek, our, our good friend, uh, coming over. Uh, he's gone 22 consecutive scoreless frames. He's 1-0 with a point six three ERA, 31 strikeouts in 28 in the third innings. Uh, and C Sparks told me earlier, too, that his hair is elite and uh, he had better hair than him. So he's not he wasn't disappointed that I bumped him for r- so our friend Ryan Stanek.
2: We're still here. I just want to give you guys an idea of what it looks like out here at the Coliseum and all the work that the ball club's putting in. And then once we'll get the camera back in normal where we normally put it once, Batting practice starts. But, yeah, I think it's a great – I mean, look, starting pitchers, relievers, everybody's together. It's a Friday. You had the day off yesterday. Let's get back to the fundamentals. Let's get back to the little things that wins baseball games. I'll tell you the one team that I've always been, and I know we don't see them a lot, but I've always been so impressed by them, and I saw it the first time when I traveled with the team and we were in St. Petersburg, It was my first time ever to to St. Petersburg, to the Trop, and I was just so impressed of how the Tampa Bay Rays worked and how the Tampa Bay Rays really reminded me of the way Japanese teams get ready. Now, I've been over to Japan twice with the athletics. It's an amazing experience. And to look at what Japanese teams do fundamentally every day before – every single game, before batting practice. I mean, there's a reason why they're so sharp. Iron iron sharpens iron, as our old friend Jim Harbaugh liked to say. Uh, Jesus Lizardo used it last year, too, I believe, that we had a drop of. So, it is so true. And then, to watch the Rays grind it every day. Every day, the Rays take a special infield before BP. They're out taking ground balls. And the Rays understand that in the division that they play in, When you're talking about playing the Red Sox and the Yankees and you're throwing the Jays there too now with the way they've been playing, for the Rays to still be there and at times have been dominant in the best team in their division, they have to be fundamentally sound. They can't give away outs. They just can't do that because they're not going to hit. Even though the last couple of years, especially last year, they scored more runs than let's say, the Yankees, they still understand in most years they're not going to. They have to be sharp, and they have to beat you with fundamentals. And that's what I like what we're seeing out here today. Everybody had a day off. You're going to hear from Mark Kotze. We talked to Mark Kotze earlier when we take the Mark Kotze show, and he is, as a former player, very big on everybody getting away from the game, whether it's seeing your wife, your kids, girlfriend, friends, golf, hiking, do something. Get away from baseball. He told us that story about years ago when he was playing for the Padres and they didn't have a July 4th game. I was like, I haven't even heard of a team being off on July 4th. And Hootie said it was him, Klesko, and Nevin. Nevin got on Harleys with their girlfriends and wives. With all their wives, got on the Harleys, and they just went for for a ride in Colorado. Colorado, yeah. And it's beautiful. Like I've been up to Breckenridge. I mean, you go away from Denver. I mean, Denver's beautiful, but you can go up into the mountains, and it's just uh, it's spectacular. So yeah, you need to take advantage of that. But when you come back, what is it? Get ready to work. And you know, as you saw AJ Puck right there, throw it away. Getting these relievers well before they're going to have to come in the game. Get them in the situation, but bunt situations get guys get guys thinking about throwing to bases if you got a comeback or throwing to second base for the double play and normally this is something that we see in spring training constantly the PFPs but today I like that we're seeing this as a fresh fresh off a successful series where the A's took two out of three from just the second time this year they won a series against a team that was over 500. the last time we saw that was in Tampa which was the second sec- series of the year where they took three out of four, but you know what? Yeah, just had a good series. Come back, get some work in, be sharp, and be ready to go because this Houston Astros team that you're taking on is, and I, I can't wait to ask both Ryan Stanek and Steve Sparks this, is how at this point I guess I, I'm i starting to thaw on the whole cheating scandal I mean basically all the guys are gone. I mean Altuve's still here. Bregman's still here. But who else is here from the cheating scandal? The the official cheating scandal that's documented that guys were pun that the team was punished for. Whether they did it in other years that was never proven, even though we believe it, but for the guy other than Bregman and Altuve, who who are we G- still talking about? Gurriel. Okay, so three guys. Uh we're we talking
3: we're we talking about pitchers too cuz no, no. Pitchers, uh, pitchers. The only there's, guys, no, McCall- there's no advantage. The pitchers yeah. had zero Well, McCullers is still on the team. He was taking uh he was in a simulated game earlier. He missed your guy. Cuz you asked if he still pitched. He does, but yeah, those are the only three position players that I could think of off the top of my head that are still on the Astros that that are on the team from that And
2: by the way, Altuve's having a pretty good year.
3: Yeah, I had a buying or selling question on. We can bring it up again if he's a Hall of Famer or if he's on a Hall of Fame track. I, I think he is.
2: Well, he's probably going to get three thousand hits. How are you going to keep him out of the Hall of Fame? He's at
3: like eight, almost at eighteen. I think eight one thousand eight hundred fifty career hits. He's yeah, having another monster year this year. He's a great OPS, a great OPS plus. You know, is a really he's having a really good year for them. That wasn't on that cheating scandal team. But in my opinion, he's the AL MVP? That's Jordan Alvarez. I made that proclamation to you a few years ago. He's going to be the greatest home run hitter of all time. You laughed at me.
2: Well. Still pretty good. Oh, I'm getting the thumbs up, thumbs down from Scott Emerson. They said that your people, your your people, and you could we can look at it. Your people said no today. Oh, he wanted more money. There I, you go. I, see, I put the request in. See, see how it is with these big leaguers. They want more. That you can't give them enough. You can't get them cars. You get them beds. Wait, do, who do we have? Somebody at four fifteen.
3: Stanek. I, I did put a request in to get Emo on the road trip.
2: All right. Well, we got to get you before the all-star break. Yeah, see, we're trying to get guys. And look, look how easy it, I I have a better chance of booking people standing out here than you have than going through PR in some ways. Probably, yeah. Yeah.
3: I mean, how many times has Emo already come over where we just – the the ultimate was Liam Hendricks. I mean, Liam didn't care what anyone said. He just came in. Well, we didn't even ask him. He just came on.
2: Yeah. Yeah. All right, we'll move the camera back. I thought that was very instructional, and that's something that I really like that we have the ability to do here on Ace Cast Live that you do not have the ability to do that.
3: And it's I'll fix the camera way have something. Oh, yeah, it. I did.
2: But I mean, no other show has the ability to do that to give you what we're giving you on a on a routine basis. I mean, to be able to watch what is going on in Major League Baseball on a field with all the teams, because after the A's get done here, you're going to have Houston's going to be out here, and we'll be able to watch Houston as they warm up and get ready. One of the things that really, really excites me today, and it was all the hard work that I did in traffic today, about Ramon Laureano. Oh, yeah, yeah. How good he is against the Astros. Yeah. As I had to sit there in traffic, why don't you come out and show everybody your uh, Tampa Bay Rays turquoise shirt that you're wearing? Uh,
3: well, I just got this shirt. It's a nice polo from Fabletics. Big fan of Fabletics. What's Fabletics? It's Kate Hudson's company. Uh, the actress, Kate Hudson? Yeah, she, it's an athletic wear company. I love it. The pants are Fabletics. The shirt's Fabletics. But the color. I have a new haircut. Uh, the haircut's off. What do you mean? Everyone else said they like it. Who? Everyone I've talked to. Who?
2: Uh, Name me one person. The only person that matters, my wife. Your wife likes that. Yes. She likes a man bun. Yes.
3: I mean I could do other things with it too, but I'm just lazy.
2: But why why a turquoise shirt? It was the only color I liked on the website when I ordered it. But why a turquoise shirt to a to a ballpark where the team's green? They didn't have a green color. Mm. So I could have uh, worse, I could have worn orange. Yeah, you might as well just put on a put on. I love Jeffrey Lunau shirt. I'll bring Astroball.
3: I'll bring Astroball next home. Yeah, and hey,
2: <laughs> D- hey, David Force, can you, can, you, can you sign the Jeff Lunau book? Yeah. <laughs> you know what's going to be interesting about Force today is to just straight up ask that question about how you got to sit here and wear this ballpark thing.
3: Yeah. I read uh, Melissa Lockhart's interview that he did this day before. Stay with her,
2: and and Billy Bean had to wear it for years, and now Billy Bean has passed the baton to David Forst, and it's like you ask personnel people to have to deal with issues that are not like we're 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 okay. So here you have the Oakland A's, right? You have the Oakland A's. This is the business, the Oakland A's. Can you see that? Can you see that on there, the circle?
3: Uh, Yes.
2: All right. So that's the the business of the Oakland A's, right? And you divide it into a pie, like every business. And, you know, players, obviously, and player personnel is a big part, but let's just say it's this pie right here is your piece. That's what you run. The rest of the organization, David Forrest doesn't run that. David Forrest is not our boss. David Forrest is not in our meetings. We're not in his department. He's not in our department. Our our boss, Vice President Catherine Aker, I don't even know how much they discuss things. That's all way above our pay level, right? Uh, Very high above ours. Right? So – all the VPs that we have, we have a bunch of BPs in the organization. They all report to one guy, Dave Cavill. Facts. Right? But yet, for some reason, and it really happened with Billy Bean, and I can tell you, you know, all those years I did the show, you know, I've been doing shows with Billy Bean on how many different radio stations? And now this. Th- I can think of at least three. On this streaming station that we have, A's Cast. Billy always talked about it, how much he hated it. Like, I got nothing to do with the ballpark, but there wasn't a Dave Cavill at the time. The old president, Mike, Mike Crowley, never spoke to the media. So it was always Billy Bean. People would ask Billy Bean about the ballpark, the ballpark. What about the ballpark? What about San Jose? What about Fremont? What about this? What about, what about the other owners? What about the blue ribbon... <laughs> The Blue Ribbon Committee, what the hell were they? Was it committee, panel? And they'd ask Billy about that. Billy would be like, I don't know. I I get the players. We have players. We have a minor league system. We have coaches. We have coaches at this level. We have coaches all the way down. Do you see? Uh, Clay Wood and Reba. Reba. I was going to say Ruby. Reba. Did you see the famous Reba just walk by? I
3: wonder if our viewers have just spiked because of that. Let's see.
2: Um, no. But
3: they probably missed it. We didn't give her a formal introduction.
2: You would have you would have Billy ask all these questions and now it's David. And now David has to you know, it's like you hear people all the time talk, you know. It's always tough to talk about revenues in baseball because we don't know, right? These aren't publicly traded companies like the Green Bay Packers and you can know exactly what the Green Bay Packers make. Because they're a public company. They have shareholders. It's different in, with most other teams. Stanek's on his way over. I, I saw the
3: poison hair from here.
2: We don't know what the Golden State Warriors of the San Francisco 49ers, we don't know, right? And they're protected by antitrust laws. But the reality is we, we know they make money. It's just how much money. And a lot of it has to do with your your, the, your revenue sources. And when you start looking at the revenue sources, you know the A's need a new ballpark. I think that's been no that 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 that's not a secret to anybody that they know. Ryan Stanek is going to join us coming up here. Uh, A's Houston Astros reliever. Last time we talked with him, he was a Tampa back in the day. What's up? And we'll have him on here. It's been a while. How are you?
4: Good, man. How are you?
2: Uh, doing well. The last time we uh, last time we had you here, you were a Tampa Bay Ray.
4: Yeah, it's been a minute, huh? A lot has changed. How's <laughs> yeah. life?
2: How's everything going?
4: Life is good, man. Can't complain. Can't complain. Got a family now. Um, yeah, since we talked. Married, had a kid. Yeah, yeah. congratulations. Big, big life things.
2: It changes everything, oh, huh? Oh, it does. Yeah. I got to think as a player, though, what's it like? Does it change? Has it changed for you now that you're just not playing for yourself, now that you're really kind of – you're playing for a whole new life now. You're playing for a family. What does that do for you?
4: Honestly, I think it makes me take the game – I feel like it's going to sound bad, but it's not how I mean it. It's like it makes you take the game less seriously away from the field. Yeah. Like you focus on your family when you're away from the field instead of like bringing the game home with you. Like when you're at the field you're focused you're doing your thing but like you have a good day you have a bad day you flush both super quickly when you get home and spend time with the family because you have to be intentional and in, in spending time with them because obviously you're gone a lot so anything good or bad that happens is gone as soon as you leave so it, it feel like you 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 obsess over it less which is i think a, like a healthy thing yeah no doubt. Field.
2: look at that you're all grown up now <laughs> yeah yeah
4: allegedly <laughs> allegedly
2: how's playing for the Astros you guys are having a hell of a year-hmm
4: we played well we played we played uh, some good baseball lately um it's been great man they they they're smart they're smart they're, they, they handle their business really well they're very professional very prepared um, obviously a lot of talent but that's I feel like that's that's pretty pretty obvious and but like it's a great group of guys like everybody's fun and likes to be around each other and have a good time. And then, like, you can kind of see it when the game starts. Like, everybody kind of, like, clicks into gear going, all right, it's game time. Like, it's loose and light and fun. And then as soon as the game turns, like, the game comes on or comes around, everybody, like, locks it in. And it's it's kind of a different atmosphere when the game's going on. Everybody's uh, way more focused and locked into like, the task at hand. And then as soon as the game's over, it's right back to, like, have yeah. a good time. Yeah, <laughs> it's cool.
2: You know, when, when I think about, like, your time with the Rays, everybody thought, well, the Rays are really smart and they're doing a lot of good things, and that's why they win with what they have. And then now you're with the Astros, and what's everybody's always said, hey, the Astros can bring you in and make you a better player with whatever magic or pixie <laughs> dust that they have. Uh, what is the difference between the Rays and the Astros?
4: I think there's way more similarities than there are differences. Actually, like, honestly, payrolls obviously kind of a a, a thing, but like, it's the way it's ran is very similar. Like the way they identify players, the way they they look at the game, like identifying people's strengths, they do they do a lot of things that are very very similar. Which for me has been great because it's super comfortable. It's what I what I was basically grew up in. So coming here, it actually it felt very very normal for what i what i was used to so it was uh it just kind of felt like a natural fit from the start
2: so when you came in with houston did they say anything like hey we noticed this let's work on this because that will make you better because we know they've done that with other pitchers
4: yeah yeah it was more it was more almost going back and like back to what i did well and i'd kind of gotten away from some things um after i'd gotten traded um and I just kind of went back to, to like what I had initially had some success doing and obviously refining things, like trying to improve my breaking ball, make that a better weapon. Like that was, that was like probably the biggest thing I've changed since I've been here is just like is trying to improve my, my slider a lot um, right off the bat. Like for, in spring training last year, I think that was what I worked on most was kind of uh, improving that and making that uh, more of a weapon instead of just like a pitch that I had. Um, but yeah, a lot of it is, is just, I think they identify what you do well, like really well. And then they try to make you do that better. Like they, they try to find ways that you can, you can enhance the things you already do well, because I feel like more times than not, you're like, you'd rather go to something in a, in a pinch or whatever that, that you already do good. And if you do that better results should be better. You would expect
2: well i know for you one of the things that we always loved about you was you get out there and man it's the flow in hair you're a big <laughs> dude sometimes you know you can get away from who you are but go out there and blow people away that's what you do <laughs>
4: right i mean sometimes sometimes it just depends it depends on the situation i mean i feel like throwing hard just kind of gives you a little bit more leeway when you when you make mistakes i think it's it just it's just like a just a slight benefit to, to quality of life, I guess.
2: <laughs> well, if you remember the last time, because it's been a while now because COVID and no one was traveling and everything, but the last time we had you here, we were talking about, hey, you're the opener. You're like the guinea pig of the guy who's going to have the most starts as a reliever. How's it going to work for you financially? You go know, to you arbitration. Is it going to help you? Is it going to hurt you? When you look back, Did you like the role? And financially, did it help or hurt?
4: I liked the role. I thought it was fun. It was like I mean, pitching is pitching. I feel like for me, like in the situation, it's like I kind of I pitch roughly the same amount of innings, the same amount of whatever pitches per game. Um, Financially, I don't know. I don't know. I I don't really know because. I got non-tendered by Miami, so it kind of put me out of the the actual arb process. So we never yeah. really got to like fight the case on if it was going to help or hurt or whatever. So um, I don't know if it helped or hurt at that point. So I, I, I that's a that's a good question. If we would have actually went to went to an arb hearing, yeah, we might have uh, I guess been able to to attest to which yeah, cause, way
2: because we were wondering like what is what is the shelf life of this thing because at one point I mean we got openers in the playoffs I mean you know this is what's here to stay and everybody's thinking my god we're going to need bigger pitching staffs how's this going to work and since then it's kind of kind of fizzled out a little bit what do you think the future is of the opener was it a fad or do you think it'll be something that's really here to stay
4: honestly I don't know like I think I think a lot of it is based more on personnel that each team has and where they're at in in most of the guys' careers as opposed to anything else. Um, I think in Tampa, like when we did it, it was more based on we had young starters, we had some younger relievers. Um, It kind of helped some of the younger starters, like maybe get used to the big leagues a little bit. But when you have more veteran starters, like it doesn't really, it's not something that really gets talked about because those guys are, established and used to starting big league games against everybody so I don't know I don't I don't want to call it a fad but I don't want to call it like something that's here to stay I don't I don't know I think I think it's still relatively too too new to to like really judge because I mean you still see see it happen on occasion nowadays too but just just not not as frequently because with Tampa I think we did it like I don't know 65 times or something like that in a year like that you probably won't see it on that scale, I would guess, but you might. I don't know. I, I like it's. Like I'm not giving you great answers, but like there's no, like there's so yeah. there's so much that like we really don't even know, and like in how teams are going to construct their pitching staffs, and especially with there being a limit on how many pitchers you can carry, it kind of kind of handcuffs you into doing certain things when you have roster restrictions.
2: Well, we know this. Whenever we open up the dictionary and it says opener, your picture is going to be there. You'll always be our opener. Let's end on this. You guys just had a great trip through New York, and still all I hear is Yankees this, Yankees that, AL East, AL East. At what point – and you guys went through – you went through the Mets, you went through the Yankees. At what point do you, the Astros, as one of the best teams in the game, just go – do you like kind of that they don't pay enough attention to you? Does it fuel you fuel you at all? What? Because I think it's ridiculous that they don't talk about you guys. It's all about they've they basically crowned the Yankees already.
4: Yeah, I don't think we care. It's it's whatever. It's the media can say anything they want. They're gonna say whatever they want anyway. It doesn't really matter. Like we we just gonna go out there and and play baseball. Like that's all we can do. That's that's that's, that's our job. It's we're gonna go out there and and pull for our boys and play for one another and play ball. That's it. Like I don't think you can pay attention to anything else. It's it's all just a distraction and kind of just white noise at that point. You just kinda of like let it go and move on and play your game and, and let the let the cards fall where they may. Well,
2: it's always awesome to have you on the program. We were joking with Steve Sparks, one of your broadcasters earlier. He's like, Oh yeah, he's got the flow going. It's it's like the eighties hair rock. It looks great. I'm like, oh, that's our that's the opener right there. That's our guy. So uh, it's it's been a long time. It's it great to have been. you back on the uh, I
4: appreciate
2: you. We call me. it the set here of A's Cast Live and we're always gonna be rooting for you. I appreciate it. Doesn't it doesn't even matter, even if you're an Astro we're gonna root for you. I
4: appreciate that.
2: We love it. We got more coming up next right here on A's Cast Live.
1: com
0: cast live continues from the town here's chris townsend
2: we are live from the field getting you ready for the athletics and the astros talking everything major league baseball and the oakland athletics it's your gm david force join us here on the field and day off after taking two out of three from a team that was over 500 i mean everything had to feel a little better (laughs) going to that day off
5: yeah absolutely we had a you know we had a chance to sweep a series we we came up a little bit short on wednesday but uh pitched really well for three days in a row against a good club and uh yeah it's nice to go into an off day with a little bit of positive momentum
2: and we were showing everybody before the game how The team, after a day off, good series, working hard, doing PFPs with the pitchers, seeing everybody take infield. And we were trying to explain, like, you know, it's really good for teams to do this, to stay sharp. Because one of the things, and we talked to Mark Kotze about this earlier today, one of the things that you've definitely noticed about the team your infield defense has gotten better and more athletic. Have you seen that?
5: Yeah. I mean, I, it's certainly the personnel helps, but, uh, look, there's no shortage of work going on, whether it's, you know, starting with the coaching staff, down to the players. I mean, you come out here any any day before a, before a day game, early at 2 o'clock before a night game. There's guys out here working, um, and I know I saw the schedule for today. I know the pitchers were all out here. They're doing what they call the circus drill um, to make sure that, yeah, after an off day you kind of shake off the cobwebs and get that working
2: yeah, and i say it and i don't really say it on this show it's always on the post game show when i gotta deal with the fans calling in and i go hey listen if it when a team has a rough record especially at this time of the year it's kind of is what it is if they weren't working hard then you could bag on them right yeah. but these guys and we try and show them look these guys are working there you know what you don't know how hard they're working out in the gym, we get to see that, and what they're doing in the cages back there. I mean, no matter what the record is, your team under Mark Kotze continues to bust it.
5: For sure, for sure, and I don't, you know, surprise. I, I usually I don't hear the fans calling in after. You don't those listen. Kids. This is David, first time <laughs> caller, long time listener. Um, so I don't know what you know what their criticisms are. Please don't are. don't listen. It's fair. <laughs> um, but no, like, like you said, you cannot cannot criticize this group for their work for their energy how hard they're playing um, how you know how much they want to compete and those are those things are really important when you're dealing uh, when you're dealing with young players when you're dealing with a group that isn't succeeding every night and, and mark has made sure of that
2: yeah and it's uh, it is fun to watch though when there's a little pep in the step and knowing how hard these guys are working and then now you got the Astros coming to town and not only do you have the Astros you'll have them again on the road i know everybody wants to crown the yankees and we're acting like the season's over and the yankees can win everything but this team over here is a very complete team when you guys prepare for it what do you see
5: man you see a, a deep starting pitching staff i mean they're six deep in the rotation uh you see you know you see the usual suspects altuve and, and bregman uh, and tucker but i mean the guy in the middle alvarez you make the argument he's the mvp as a season as aaron judge is having and um, we just saw judge for three games and he's great i don't want to face anybody in the league uh less than
2: i want to face jordan alvarez and that guy verlander is still around i it's it's unbelievable it right? is it's it, unbelievable and
5: you know we're happy to miss him this uh this series and i think if it lines up right we'll <laughs> miss him the next series too but uh, I mean, I watch the guy on TV, and I, it's like a recurring nightmare. I cannot believe this guy is still out there doing it. I mean, it was ten years ago he was out there on this field against us doing it in the playoffs. Game and,
2: fives. Uh, yeah, so, no, he's he's incredible. He is. He's absolutely incredible. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's you, – you, I think at this point, I think certain teams can learn, don't you think, when they play teams like this? Like your team can learn to see, okay, what are these guys doing, how they handle their business.
5: For sure, for sure. And we've kind of traded places with them. I mean, you talked to oh, yeah. some of the people in the front office there, remember what it was like in 14-15 when they really struggled and watched us. Said the same thing. I mean, I think it was 2014 we had a year where we went like 17-2 and two against them or whatever it was. Um, so these things are cyclical, but, but absolutely, you look across the diamond – uh, at how Dusty handles it, what James Click in their front office has done to kind of add to the core that was already there when he got the job as general manager. And, uh, yeah, you have to sort of just admire admire that club.
2: You know, you were uh, – oh, there we go. All right, you you, you you were handed a baton from Billy Bean that I know that it's just – it's not a – it's not fair, and I know I did this for years with Billy on ninety-five-seven, the game, and all the different shows that we did. But for some reason, people want to ask player personnel people about ballpark, and it's like, <laughs> it's like, and the problem back then for Billy was there was there there was no Cavil because Crowley, and I don't want to get too inside, but the yeah. old president didn't want to talk about it, so everybody they only had access to Billy. So let's ask Billy. And now I notice you've done some interviews now, and you get asked about it. How tough is that? I actually did this pie where I show the fans. I'm like, this is the A's business, <laughs> and this is Dave. This is David Forrest's response. The rest of the pie is not your. That's right. not your responsibility. How tough is that for you when you get asked these questions and it's not your department?
5: Yeah, I mean it's not. And Dave, look, Dave has his hands full and he's handling it uh, on a you know minute to minute basis. It seems like so. I I get that it's. You know, I get that it's important. It's it's sort of the critical question around the organization right now, uh, and the fans have every right to want to know what's the latest, what's going on, and and it does in fact affect the baseball team. I mean, that's that's sort of uh, baseball 101. But it's ultimately like it is not in my purview, like and, which is fine. Like we we try and focus on the baseball team and the the system, the scouting, the player development, all these things that happen outside of the business of baseball. Um, and, and I let Dave handle it, and, and he's, you know, again, he's working his tail off. But, um, you know, I get it. I get, the, I get why the questions come to anyone who's out there speaking publicly on behalf of the team. People want to know.
2: And to defend you, even though you don't need me to, but it's not like there's, like, this bank account and you're giving this blank check and do whatever you want. I mean, people need to understand there's well,
5: – there's, Not to build a ballpark, that's for sure. <laughs> there's
2: – when you talk about the – it's a business that we're dealing with and that you have parameters in, in what you're able to do at the big league level, the minor league level, and I think some people just think that there's just, like, you can do whatever you want.
5: Yeah, look, I, I appreciate – you know, you're defending us on a on a daily basis. But I also get the the fans don't want to hear that. I mean, they want to come out and watch baseball and and not have to worry about that. That's what a lot of us want to do. We want to come out and watch watch the team play. So uh, yeah, look, it's it's been the reality here, you know, since I got here, you know, and until we until we figure the situation out, it will be the reality. But I, I totally get that you know, the people who come and, and pay money to be here, they just want to watch baseball. They don't want to hear about uh, the parameters and the ballpark and whatnot.
2: Now, if I gave you an actual date, I bet you could have a game plan, a business proposal for me if I could give you a date. But the fact that you still have never been given a date, like yeah. shovels are going in the ground, I don't know, pick your year, 2028, 20, 2027, 20, whatever. You could then specifically say, okay, now this is what – but the fact, you've never been given a date, so what do you do? Right. That's that's what makes
5: it hard. And, I, you know, I there was a an article in The Athletic. I spoke with Melissa Lockhart yesterday and kind of told her that exact thing. that Because uh, she asked me, what what does a team look like the next couple of years? And I said, that's not an easy question to answer when you don't know, you know, what happens with the city of Oakland the next six months or, or, or beyond. So, again, you know, <laughs> talk about things that fans really don't want to hear, like, they they want to you know see results and see know where the team's going until there's an answer to that it's just it's hard to say I mean that's why we sort of have been hand to mouth for so long you know 20 years just sort of one year cycles of, of how well we can build this team um, so I don't know that that's going to change until until there's an answer
2: I thought the draft being pushed back trying to make it a bigger event was a good idea But now that we're a team that needs draft picks sooner than later, right, we're not just using them to try and win here. We're going to need guys to come up here. I would much rather have a guy already picked, hopefully signed, right, slotting or whatever, and already starting to play or about to play and give him a little extra time how do you feel now that we've done this for a while that, that the draft's been pushed back to where the All Star game
5: is? Yeah, our biggest complaint from just a pure baseball development, you know, get guys to the big league standpoint is you, you lose a lot of time when you don't, you know, you don't have guys out there until essentially the end of July. Because, um, like you said, by now in previous years, there'd be guys out there in A-ball already for two weeks if you have your draft June 6th, 7th, where it used to be. So that's the biggest complaint from a timing standpoint. There are other things where it's like like, you know, our scouts spend a month from the end of the college and high school seasons with very little – to do on the amateur side um you know the timing and the closeness to the deadline makes it difficult for yeah uh, for front office didn't think about uh, that i used to have an all-star break and n- <laughs> now i don't i mean look there are plenty of ways i can complain <laughs> i also know that it was like the most widely viewed draft in in mlb history last year because it was paired with the all-star break and the tv numbers were great and it was more an event than it had ever been and if we're gonna sit here and say we need to make the game more popular and you know you're gonna have to make some sacrifices so I totally get it from MLB's end Uh, it presents some challenges and we just have to work with it but we are you know we're only a couple weeks away now excited to get uh, 20 plus new players into the system and and get them moving because uh, ultimately you know getting that system you know working and guys towards the big leagues is what we're here to do.
2: Now, the international draft, I don't know a ton about it. I know that a new proposal has been sent from the player's side. There's the owner's side. they got to agree to it coming up here, I want to say, on the 25th. Uh, Just a standpoint of the way you've been doing it versus now actually having a draft. I don't know how other teams feel about it. No one really knows, but... From the A standpoint, would you like to keep the system the way it is, or would you actually like an international draft?
5: I'd like to see a draft. I think I think it would do you know accomplish a lot of the things that the domestic draft has in terms of equal access to talent and uh, sort of standardizing bonuses and and getting rid of some of the some of the sort of wild west things that still exist. You know when you're signing players internationally. So I think there's a there's sort of an equalization that goes on when you have a draft, and we'd be in favor of it. We always have been. Uh, where, yeah, where it goes from these negotiations, I, I read the same thing that you did on Twitter today about the the proposal and counter proposal. So we'll we'll find out probably around the same time.
2: Yeah, I think it. There's when you kind of read some of the stories; they're not the ones that get clicked the most. But there is a wild, wild west out there when you start talking about it's a globe. You got guys playing all over. The world, right? And yeah. signing a guy from Japan is different from signing a guy in the Dominican or Venezuela. I mean, it's it's crazy.
5: Yeah, and you still look. There's, you know, everybody has a pool and a set amount of money. It's not like, you know, it's not like 10 years ago when teams were spending hundreds of millions of dollars on players internationally and, uh, you know, racking up these luxury tax fines. It, it's been standardized. That said, there are still deals being made with players two and three years before they can sign and, and not – not having equal access to see everybody in the Dominican Venezuela is hard to get to obviously to scout because of the political climate so there are a lot there are a lot of things that could be helped by a draft
2: so this will be the last time we talk to you before the all-star break so now we'll head into the all-star break what do you want to see going forward from this team what are you looking for what what you know not just wins, but yeah. obviously went. But what do you want to see from this team in this really the second half?
5: Well, we've talked a little bit about sort of balancing the you know the roster spots between guys we want to evaluate and guys who can contribute now, and I think we'll continue to, to play that balancing act. Um, obviously, you know once the All Star break is over, you're thir- 13 days away from the trading deadline, and. You know, we we expect to have a lot of conversations, and we'll see how active we actually are, but that's going to be our focus once the draft is over. Um, And how that goes down will certainly shape our club for the last two months of the season.
2: Obviously, Frankie going down is scary as heck. We know you're getting a lot of phone calls on him. I'm sure Paul Blackburn, who's going today, is somebody. Uh, Ramon Laureano's heating up. What do you expect from your team and your phones blowing up what kind of activity do you think before the deadline?
5: I think we're going to be open to everything. The way, you know, the way we were starting last November, the way we were uh, in February when the lockout ended through spring training, we, just, we need to be open uh, to opportunities. And um, whether, that, whether that means adding, adding talent through big trades, small trades, whatever it is, I think we're going to work hard just to, just to be open to listening.
2: How do you think Frankie's status is as we get closer?
5: I think Frankie's doing great. I mean, the, the MRI was positive. He's feeling a little bit better each day. Um, obviously, Mark announced today that, that Zach is going to take his spot in the rotation tomorrow, um, but we should know here in the next couple of days when he'll be ready to pitch again.
2: Was that one of those, I know for me, like I came in from my studio and my daughter called me over and I came back and went, why is Austin Pruitt on the mound? What the – is it just kind of one of those times or years where – Things just continue to happen.
5: Yeah, I was uh, I was in Vegas over the weekend watching the Aviators play, and tried to go out to lunch Sunday afternoon before heading to the ballpark. Just watch the game while I was sitting at lunch, and it's never a quiet moment.
2: Never. Uh, <laughs> any expectations for Aviators? More Aviators coming this way? Sure. Oh, you want specifics? Anybody? Any?
5: <laughs> I promise you, there will be more Aviators here at some point. It's. Kind of the way the game works.
2: Yeah, I, I try to <laughs> tell people on the post game show all the time. It's like you take it to a certain point, and then you start to see the movement.
5: Yeah, well, I mean, you look at the lineup tonight, and we are a bunch of guys who were aviators at one point this year. So it'll keep happening.
2: Well, we appreciate it. I would say have a nice uh, All Star break, but it sounds like you're <laughs> going to be working. You know what? I'll be at the beach. I'll I'll, I'll, I'll take care of a little rest time uh, for that, you.
5: Whatever the date is, that Wednesday. I think it's like the twentieth. Think of me that day. That's my break.
2: But you know what? That is your guys' time of the year, the draft. You guys (laughs) love your war room, you got all the names. We start Sunday morning.
5: The interns are out there building the room right now, and we get started Sunday morning. We're all looking forward to it.
2: Great stuff. It's the GM show right here on A's Cast Live.
0: Streaming from the East Bay, AceCast Live continues with Chris Townsend. I got out of the
2: elevator today and I saw the great Steve Sparks and he said he was not coming on. I'm like, what do you mean you're not coming on? You don't pay me enough. Well, that that's fact. Well, you're, remember, you're back in Oakland. Uh, <laughs> but I was like, what do you mean you're not going to come on the program? Like, we've got to have you on the program. I want to make sure, 2003. Oakland Athletic
6: yeah that that was the year I was here uh, the last couple months of the season and of course that playoff run against the Boston Red Sox in the ALDS that was a lot of fun
2: well you've always said this is
6: one of your favorite spots to come to it is you know this is this is the most fun I ever had as a player I played 19 years 10 years in the minor leagues nine years in the major leagues and this little pocket uh, with playing with the Oakland A's uh, was the most fun I ever had just the playoff atmosphere Uh, The teammates are great, Tejada, Zito, and all those guys. It was just a fantastic time to be here.
2: I never thought I'd say this, but I'm so starting to thaw on the whole cheating scandal thing. And I hate the Yankees. And the fact that you guys go back there, do what you did, the Astros, and then against the Mets, and I'm still turning on MLB Network, and they act like the Yankees have already won the World Series. I'm like, Mm. this Astros team... No joke. Can beat you in any way. They got everything. I, mean, I just – I'm I'm now – I hate to say it. It's almost like I'm rooting for you guys now. Well, you know what?
6: There's a long way to go. Yeah. You know, you got to stay healthy. I think coming in toward the, the trade deadline, the one thing that I think the Astros have an advantage over a lot of teams, they don't need any pitching. You know, they might be able to uh, acquire an arm, but they're not desperate in the rotation at all. They feel good. And the other thing, I, I think just going the rest of this way – the way they played against the Yankees and the Mets, the way they went in there and, and basically not one batter came to the plate in those nine games against the New York teams when the Astros were behind. They That's got walk- amazing. They yeah. got walked off twice by Judge. But other than that, I'll say this after that. You can tell the Astros aren't afraid of them. And I would bet that, that some of the Yankee people in the front office, if they're being honest, they're a little afraid what the Astros did w- when they came into town.
2: Yeah, that third inning hit, which you've done an imitation of that third inning hit on the on the show for me before, if you remember. The third that. inning hit, yeah. What's this by Kaiser Permanente? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I had you guys like like the last time the Astros had been down was like against the White Sox in like late May was the last time. I think it was June 18th. You know, if I'm
6: not mistaken, I had that note uh, a couple of days ago. So. They're playing good, yeah. you know, but, but at the same time, there's a, there's a lot that can happen. You know, Verlander heads the list. I mean, he is pitching like he did How's a few this years possible? ago. We don't know how it's possible. We really don't. He's just 39 years old, continuing to throw that four-seam fastball, and fastball counts like nobody else does. And, and just, he's John Wayne right now. He just goes out after guys and just said, try to hit it. Just try and he'll get pop ups and strikeouts all day long. So uh, it's remarkable in that respect. But I will say this, and I don't know if anybody's coming on your show to say this the most indispensable player on this Astros roster right now is hitting a buck fifty, and that's Martin Maldonado. They can't afford to lose him. But yeah,
2: he did the other day against the Angels down the line. Where you get uh was oh, it yeah. Walt, was it Walsh on first? It he was on first where it wasn't paying attention, boom, got it. Snuck behind him. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah, that was that
6: was tricky. But just what he's been able to do with the But this all the rumors say staff, you guys
2: are looking for a catcher.
6: Well, that would be crazy. Who who goes and gets a catcher in the middle of the season? Who what contender does that? Uh, I, I just can't imagine them doing that. Now if it's a backup catcher to Maldonado for insurance in case something happens to him. Mm-hmm. I'm all for it, but nobody's replacing him right now.
2: And you know who would back you up 100% is our our great friend Ray Fossey. Ray Fossey would say all the time, hitting is just a bonus. I don't care what the catcher hits. And, of course, Ray caught you know, one of the greatest staffs ever that yeah. won all these World Series here in the 70s. Ray would say, I don't care what I hit. What's cash? What's Catfish doing? Right. What's Raleigh doing? What's Vida doing? What's Ken Holzman doing? Like, yeah. it was all about, he didn't care what the average was, and I think he'd agree with you 100%.
6: Here's what Dusty
2: says about Maldonado.
6: He says, what I love is that we have a game plan, and we'll go there, we'll execute, we'll execute, but then Maldonado's got this other plan, and he's the great improviser. And when you need to go off script every once in a while in those big moments, and, and good pitchers will tell you, all the time that there's two or three big moments in a game where this means a lot. You know, Verlander always recognizes it, but Maldonado recognizes it for everybody else, and he gets them to believe and have conviction on a big pitch off script uh, in those improvisation moments uh, that the Astros need it
2: most. Now for you as a knuckleballer, a good catcher would be basically what, a guy who could catch it? Yeah, just somebody. <laughs> you know,
6: Brad Ausmus, who's here. I, yeah. just, I just had a conversation with him. He was probably the best I had. Really? Just because he was a, a great athlete. You know, he was one of those guys that would take ground balls at shortstop every day. He had the great feet. He's smaller and good hands. Uh, and he wouldn't reach for it. I think that's the main thing as a knuckleball catcher is not to reach for the ball because usually the good movement is really late.
2: Did your guys have, like, the bigger gloves? Yeah. and all that? Yeah. Yeah. So
6: all the guys that that – have them now there hasn't been a big leaguer throw the knuckleball for a little bit though they're all wearing this one model of glove and it's made by Rawlings and it's the Pro Sparks and I actually designed it really yeah so there's a couple of gloves that I had throughout the minor leagues and early on in the minor leagues and I made a couple of tweaks to it and I sent it to Rawlings they sent it back uh, told them a couple more things tweaked it out again and they stamped Pro Sparks on it and that's what everybody's been using since do you get any love out of not that? A, not a dime. Same thing. You know what? I I, I get exactly the same that I get uh, for coming on Ace cast.
2: You know what, Cody? Can, can, Cody. We, get, can we get him a sign ball? Buy me. We give him like a Tony Kemp sign ball. You know, we're going to get you a Buy sign ball. Buy me a foam
6: finger.
3: That's all I,
2: that's <laughs> all I care.
6: There's cheese shakes
3: outside. I'll get you one. Perfect.
2: <laughs> we'll get you the, uh, the Triton, the Ride the Wave Triton. <laughs> yeah. That's that, all I want. Problem is that wave crashed at 86 wins, but uh, <laughs> we'll still get you the Triton. Uh, when you when you're looking at pitching, and you're looking at starting pitching, I know we've talked to you about this before. Want to follow up? Yeah. And I know Jeff Passon just did an article on it. We're not getting the innings. I, I don't know how it's going to work. Like, what what are teams? I mean, start. What do you? you how do you
6: value a, a starting pitcher now? You can't value them to the same degree you used to. I know price is going up anyway, but right now, if, if the average pitchers throwing just a barely over five innings, uh, then their value is much less. And, and maybe you put a little bit more premium on the guy that, that gets some holds. You know, there, There's two or three guys in the Astros bullpen uh, that are, there's their tongues are hanging out right now because they've come in into so many games that they're, they've been on top, but the starter only goes six innings. they got to cover, cover nine outs
2: somehow, and those guys mean more to teams. Well, Ryan Stanek was out here earlier, and he loved the hair comment, by the way. He did? He, he loved the hair rock. Yeah, yeah. I said, 80s hair rock. Sparksy brought it up. Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting. How do, you, how do you keep a team thoroughly engaged, a good team through the whole season? I, I didn't really think about this because we're so far away from the playoffs, but so making sure you have one or two seed and you have the bye. Now that we have a bye in our sport, That's a kind of a big deal. You don't want to be in the early rounds, so that could keep you going, keep you concentrating.
6: I'll say say this. The mental side uh, of the game, uh, you can almost throw that equation out with this team because they're really good at treating every game the same, even when it's the postseason. Uh, They know how to prepare. Michael Brantley has kind of set that tone for a while now, and they just look at him. Uh, What's Michael do, and how does he stay uh, on this routine? And I'm sure Kotze is doing the same with a lot of these guys, with Elvis Andrew and Tony Kemp and those guys setting some sort of an, an example for these guys to learn how or what it takes to, to be on a, on a winning team and, and what you have to do to be mentally ready. But uh, mentally, when, when you talk about letdowns for the Astros, they've got plenty to play for and they've got their their sights on, on, on the ring again. And uh, I think because of what transpired in 2017, they all want that ring so nobody can really say you know anything about it being tainted and and they can feel good about it themselves uh and and proud of the jobs they've done
2: well and and what it would mean to the organization too to kind of get away from and we talked about it here on acecast live about the whole tank draft ah just because they took it down to the studs it's like you look around the majority of these guys are not from the tank draft there's just a, you know, right. Altuve wasn't from Madrid. He wasn't even drafted. I mean, you got Bregman. Good to see Mark Capel back in the big leagues. That's a right. great story. Yeah. But Jordan Alvarez wasn't from it. Tucker. Tucker. Verlander, you can't count him. I mean, Ryan Pena. I mean, this is a team that's not built because the team went to the skids and, and, and that's why because we're kind of dealing with that. People people want to use the Astros as an example. I'm like hey, the reason why the Astros keep winning every year it's not because of that tank draft.
6: Right, and they've been disciplined. Think about, you know, there's so many fans clamoring uh, to re-sign Correa and I'm not saying it, it didn't hurt, you know, that Correas is out, out of this organization but uh, the discipline money said to let him go because now you're able to extend Jordan Alvarez for six at, at $115 million and He's looking like he's one of the best players in the league. Uh, and there's there's these pitchers that are gonna start making some money here pretty soon, and you're able to afford them without that big ticket uh, in the middle of the diamond. And so they've lost Springer, they've lost Correa, they've yeah. lost Garrett Cole, they've lost Charlie Morton, Grinky. You know, Grinky, we, we can go we can go on for it's a, a lot, lot, lot of guys. While, but you have to have good player development and you have to have guys uh, being able to fit into the system. And every year right now, especially because the Astros draft so late and they had some draft picks taken away because of the cheating stuff uh they're still able to develop big leaguers you know and they're the rank usually 28th to 30th as far as farm systems but how do they keep running guys out out here in the big league who's
2: doing these rankings yeah who's
6: doing these <laughs> rankings number one but i mean i i tip my hat to the player development i mean yeah. they're getting guys ready uh at the big league level more quickly. One quick, you got time for a quick? Yeah, because
2: I, I want to ask you about Alvarez. Because even though Commander Cody, my producer, is uh, he was part of the Yordan Alvarez fan club a while ago. Yeah, but go ahead. I got a question for you about. Okay, it. this is about the Oakland A's. I was playing in
6: Sacramento in Triple A with the A's when I was 40 years old, and one thing I noticed when we were charting pitches behind home plate, we weren't charting. Uh, for anything other than does this guy swing at strikes or does he swing at balls? And that's all we were charting back behind home plate. And that was different from anywhere I'd ever been. And when I was out of the game, I I wanted to get back into baseball and I had a, a, a meeting with the GM at the time with the Houston Astros. I said, hey, the A's are doing something pretty interesting right now. And when they have guys get to the big league level, like an Eric Chavez say, they're ready to perform because they swing at strikes. You know, they they get judged, and they get rewarded on how well they control the strike zone. And I remember it falling on deaf ears, and I was a little frustrated, but, you know, what can you do? But I remember thinking that the A's 20 years ago were way ahead of the game in that regard because of that. And I see a lot of that with the Astros when guys come into this lineup. I think they're teaching the Astros at some level or these levels down in the minor leagues And we see it with Jeremy Pena now. We see it with Kyle Tucker. Bregman was probably like this, you know, already to begin with. But with even two strikes, they're taking so many close pitches, home and on the road, uh, just (laughs) off the plate. Just to clarify. Yeah, but, (laughs) you know, I I say that because I used to think that in 2016, 2017, I said, how do they take these pitches? And when that cheating stuff went down, I thought, you know what, that's how they did it, but they still do it. Uh, they're just very disciplined uh, at being able to control the strike zone.
2: Great thing about you is it wouldn't have mattered. They knew it was coming anyway. Right, yeah. I, I tell Go ahead. them hey, yeah. here it is. I wanted them to swing.
6: <laughs> yeah. You know what I used to do? This is, this is a helpful hint in case somebody's throwing a knuckleball out there throw it a little bit slower. That way uh, you have time to back up. And, and when guys hit it back at you, you got room to react. That's That was my plan as a big leaguer.
2: I got to tell you, that just watching guys struggle <laughs> against, and if you make that thing hey, move, it's, it's good, amazing.
6: If it's good, it doesn't matter who it it's is. It's hard. I, I remember yeah. we,
2: you know, playing in college at San Jose State, we had a guy that had a good knuckleball. Just playing catch with him, yeah. it was tough. It it's a it's lot horrible. easier to do it
6: playing catch because the trick is to keep your palm behind the ball a long time, and when you're on flat ground, you can do it. But when you're on the slope and you're throwing downhill toward the catcher, then you get the rollover because your palm isn't behind the ball as long. So, so you the trick the trick is to aim at the very top of the catcher's mask. So you're aiming a little higher so your palm stays behind it. That's how you take the spin off more consistently.
2: Can you imagine if we brought you back? Yeah. And you went the day after Verlander. cuz I think the thing for me what's amazing what's really yeah, the like, same tunnel. Is he 6-5? Yeah, I think he's 6-5. And the fact that his ball doesn't go like this. His ball stays and yeah. it rides high, right? So yeah. to get on top of it I don't know how you do it.
6: Obviously, no, no one's. Plus, he has that optical illusion because he has great spin. You know, so even though it's high, it's even higher uh, for a guy to try to get on top of it because it has less drop than most guys because it spins more. Uh, he's, he, he deviates from the standard as far as his spin rate, and that's where he gets so much deception.
2: And then the next day, here you come.
6: Yeah, there, here I come.
2: That would be, as a hitter, you got Verlander throwing it down your throat, and the next day yeah. I'm, Jesus, what am I? You know what,
6: Bob Melvin, two or three years ago in Houston, tossed me a baseball in the in the A's dugout. He said, do you think you could throw a knuckleball with this? And it was as hard as this table. Cue ball. It was a cue ball. And I said, no, I couldn't. I couldn't believe it. I said, there's no way I could have thrown a knuckleball. But now I've grabbed one of these balls now, and they're softer. I can make an indention with my fingernails into the ball now, into the hide. So, Yeah, I think there might be a knuckleballer come back. But two or three years ago, I don't think a guy could have thrown a knuckleball in the game.
2: I want to ask you, so MLB Network today did the deal on AL MVPs. And, you know, you're going to have all the greatness that is Otani. I'm down on on Otani from the standpoint of in that 14-game losing streak, he was terrible. He didn't hit, Mm -hmm. pitch, both of them. I've gone through the numbers. Joe Madden gets fired. That was their season. They're done. But he'll have these incredible numbers again that we've never seen before. Obviously, Judge, what Judge is doing is MVP quality. Uh, if you had to make your case, could you make a case that Alvarez should be the American League MVP? Yeah,
6: because he's not strictly a DH anymore. I think you can make the case. I think he's the best hitter in baseball. Can uh, we say that? That's big. Yeah, uh, he, he has the highest slugging percentage. The uh, weighted runs created plus. He's and he's not roof. bad defensively. He's good. He's not, he's not just average, he's good. And he's throwing at 93 miles per hour from the outfield, gunning guys out at home plate. He can run way better than you think, gets good jumps, takes, takes a little pride out there. Uh, he's a good outfielder. I, think, I don't even think he's average. So uh, I think you throw that into the equation too. Uh, and another guy that gets overshadowed, and he's not in the MVP conversation, but Kyle Tucker is yeah. a great baseball player. And you'll see it, you know, we play a lot of games against the A's. Here coming up and you'll see it more and more he's he's legit he's he should be talked on like one of the top 15 hitters in the league maybe as far as value to a team too
2: i always love first time i saw him. uh george brett no batting gloves that's old school I he love, is old school i love that
6: you know he'll tell you something too he hits lefties real well just like Jordan alvarez and he'll tell you it's because his brother who used to play for the astros preston tucker was left-handed. He said they play wiffle ball or games in the backyard. <laughs> yeah. Preston's throwing stuff at his his right ear, you know. And, and he said he'd learn how to hang in there, or else uh, his, his big brother was going to take advantage of him in the whole time. But he credits uh, his his success against left-handed pitchers to those backyard games.
2: That's all you saw. Yeah, that's all you saw. <laughs> Got these lefties from behind me. Long way to go. But if you had to vote for MVP, who would you vote? It,
6: for me, it's it's a coin flip with Otani and Alvarez. You know, when you're saying most valuable player. Yeah, I think there's context to it. I, there's context. I, I
2: don't like that because, to me, if we're just doing, all right, go to baseball reference and pick a guy, Otani's going to win every time.
6: Right. But when you go wins above replacement and you start looking at what a guy does on, on both sides of the ball, it's it's almost unfair right now with what Otani – I don't know how he's how long he's going to be able to do this, what he's doing right now last year and this year maybe two or three more years. I can't imagine him doing that for eight or nine more years. Can you?
2: You mean he has, like he's 39 years old like Verlander and he's still hitting and pitching? Or 35
6: even. How old is he, 28? 20, 28. 28 years old. I mean, I can't see him doing he's it for five prime. more years. He's in his prime. Yeah. And this is beating him down. This is hard on your body. So to be able to do this five more years, I'm not sure, but in this little window right now, and I know, I know you can get – sour on a 14 game stretch when it need you need it most but it happens yeah you know that stuff happens sometimes and sometimes you know look at who you're facing and, and and if you're not swinging the bat well right now it, it gets exasperated so it makes things tougher but I like to look at the the full the full package right now what we're seeing I just can't believe anybody pitches to Alvarez as hot as he is right now last I think his last 35 games, he has 14 homers, 39 RBIs, and sl- I mean, his OPS oh, is don't 1,200. Worry it. This
2: team will find a way. So we know these numbers. <laughs>
6: we know these numbers, but to see what he's able to do from foul pole to foul pole, uh, the way he sets up pitchers, like he's 30 years old, he's setting up pitchers. He's got nine homers on changeups. And I guarantee eight of those nine, he sat on them. He sat on these changeups because somebody may have gotten him out. His, his ab before and he sets on it and takes him deep and who does that he's david ortiz for me he's david ortiz in in his prime
2: yeah whenever you see a big man control the strike zone like that it's, it's very impressive yeah we at some point i don't know how but we got to get out and play golf
6: yeah we'll, we'll figure it out a time you know what um you know there'll be an off day at some point and we'll get that out i can make Korak. it happen here in the bay area yeah oh great yeah that'll be great so uh, we don't get to we don't get to play very much anymore, but we're going at uh, Pelican Hill mm-hmm. when we go play uh, the Angels here in a couple days. Looking forward to that, but haven't gotten to play a whole lot. Well, yeah, well, I'd love to hang with you guys on a golf course. That will board.
2: be that will be instead of me getting you the Ride the Wave Trident or the Tony Kip sign ball. Yeah, I will set up a tee time the next time we can make that available. Yeah, we'll get Plummer,
6: we'll get Cock, uh, Korak, we'll get uh,
2: Catronio. We'll
6: have a good time. We'll make that happen. Yeah, let's do it. Have a great broadcast, All right, buddy. Appreciate Always appreciate it. We got Chris.
2: more coming up next right here on A's Cast Live.
0: Streaming from Ricky Henderson Field, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend.
2: It's a Friday. What does that mean? It's time for the Mark Katsay Show right here on A's Cast Live. It's now time for the Mark Katze Show brought to you by nestbedding.com and Nest bedding locations in the Bay Area. Check out their stores. They're beautiful. Or you go online, nestbedding.com. Love where you sleep. Use the coupon code Oakland to get 10% off your entire order your bed, your mat, your mattress, your your pillows, your bedding, you name it. Use the coupon code Oakland when you go to nestbedding.com or go into one of their locations. Skip, how are you doing today?
7: I'm doing well. We just got done with the, a great off day and uh, back home, uh, back at it against Houston tonight.
2: I gotta think having an off day, winning a series, winning a winning a series against a good team has to make your off day a little bit better.
7: Yeah, it's definitely more enjoyable. Um, you know, I feel like uh, you know, after that 16 games um, overall, we played pretty good baseball, and uh, you know, in deserving of, of a little break, yesterday was was a good off day. Uh, I know a lot of guys took advantage of it to be with their families. Um, You know, we're back at it here against Houston for the weekend, traveling back to Texas, and then again against Houston uh, with another off day mixed in there.
2: You know, a a season has a lot of emotions. You know, there's a lot of highs. There's a lot of lows. Unfortunately, you guys are, are, are having a tough year. How do you not ride the emotions of the lows? You personally, because obviously if people see you struggling, that's not good from a leisure standpoint. So how do you control that day to day?
7: Well, I think, you know, day to day is easier than if you're, if you're looking at the overall picture of where we're at, I think the day to day process as a manager, you come in with the mindset that you're preparing to win a baseball game that day. Um, my career has, I think, helped me um, process, you know, the failures that we go through, especially as a player, uh, you have to be able to flush them. You have to be able to to put them in the rearview mirror and move on to the next day. Uh, and I think over my 17-year career, I've had enough failures uh, as a player to to understand that, to learn from that, uh, and to continue to grow. Um, you know, that's the main thing for our ball club right now. Is uh, yes, we're not where, anywhere where we want to be uh, from a record standpoint. Um, but what we can do is go out and control. Uh, You know, how we approach the day, how we go about approaching our game uh, in terms of just the intensity we take to the field, the effort, the fight, um, you know, and and just how we go compete.
2: And and the same can be said when you're having a really good season, too, right? You still have to control what you can control and don't get too high.
7: Yeah, that's absolutely true. The higher the expectation level on a team. Uh, that may be underperforming, uh, will still go through uh, the highs and lows and, and the difficulties of, of, you know, losing. Toronto came out uh, of Oakland. They'd lost two of three to us. They went to Seattle, got beat again last night. I think they've lost uh, their last seven of eight games, uh, a team that's expected to make the playoffs, a team that just put together and assembled, um, you know, for a winning season. And uh, and they're going through their their, their lows right now.
2: You know, when I look at Paul Blackburn, we'd like to call him Paulie I I People start talking about how oh, he's changed his grip on, on breaking balls and all this kind of stuff. We actually had him on. He said he likes to eat pizza the night before. That's his lucky charm. But whether you're changing your grip or you're eating pizza, something really is different about him mental-wise. The way he pitches, the way he competes. What is it about him this year that you've seen that's turned him into a different professional?
7: i think he's just taken ownership of his opportunity to be in the rotation to start in the rotation and you know from that standpoint you look at his last three four five years with the oakland A's. he's got opportunity to make spot starts come and pitch in the bullpen that's hard that's really difficult um i think this year or at least when he went into his off season his mindset was he's going to be a starter in this rotation. And he started to believe that uh, from day one in spring training. And I think he's solidified that, obviously, um, you know, here this year with his performance. But not only that, I think the way he's carrying himself, uh, the way he's become a leader in the pitching staff, um, you know, he's really, really um, matured uh, this season in in all facets, really. And uh, it's it's just – it's really great to see for Paul.
2: Yeah, no doubt about it. It's been a lot of fun, and uh, I don't want to jinx him, knock on wood, but I have a feeling he's going to be making a special trip to Los Angeles during the All-Star break, and we're all going to be very proud of him as he's a local kid who's done well, and it's been a lot of fun. Uh, On the report of Frankie Montas, how's Frankie doing?
7: Yeah, Frankie's doing okay. Uh, We're waiting here today with the off day yesterday, Um, you know, to see Frankie, to get a chance to talk to him, to see how he's feeling. Um, and, and move forward, uh, you know, just take this day by day. Um, we're trying to, uh, you know, give Frankie every opportunity to make a start before the all-star break, um, to get back on that mound. And, uh, you know, we'll see obviously how he's feeling. Uh, We'll evaluate it and, uh, and take it day by day with Frankie.
2: You know, sometimes you just got to throw the record out when you, when you look at a player, And I think Cole Irvin's one of those guys. I mean, his ERA at home, last time I checked, was like 1.49, which is phenomenal in the American League. Just talk about what he, just from a stability standpoint, what he's given you every five days.
7: Yeah, you know, I took a liking to Cole last year uh, when he came over. Uh, I watched him pitch in spring training and was just impressed with, with, you know, the left-hander's ability to throw strikes, to get a little swing and miss on a fastball that looked like it had some ride up in the zone. And then the changeup was plus. So, um, you know, the, the stability, as you as you talk about with, um, you know, with Cole comes from the durability, I think. And he's a big-bodied guy. Uh, you know, those are always nice to have on the mound because they seem to, to withstand the, the, you know, the length of a season, the innings that are put on an arm. He's got great mechanics. And uh, and he's not afraid to attack hitters. Uh, we saw that in his last start. The, uh, you know, last two starts have been really successful. And so, um, you know, I think overall, um, you know, what he provides for our rotation uh, in terms of stability, length, and, and also leadership. Uh, I've really enjoyed watching, watching Cole this year.
2: Yeah, and you got to like when you start to see some of your hitters get hot. We've talked about Elvis in the past. Uh, Nick Allen is starting to cause A little damage out there Some havoc Great to have Piscotty Healthy and back and Then I think about Ramon Laureano Last eight games Hitting 3-10 Four dingers Eight runs scored Kind of as he goes Your offense goes What's it like having Ramon Starting to get his groove back?
7: Yeah, it's really helpful In that lineup It Lincolns that lineup out Obviously pro- provides some um, You know, some pop At the top of the lineup uh, Ramon, like you talked about uh, over the last ten games, 8 to 10 games, uh, the four home runs, the power shown back up. Uh, you know, I think the confidence. Uh, you can see him taking his at bats uh, and and feel good and confident when he's in that box that uh, something good's going to happen. And and that's that's uh, obviously what we've needed and uh, and what we all know Ramon's capable of doing. And it's been fun to watch.
2: You know, you've seen the Yankees, and for some reason, everybody wants to crown them World Series champions already, and and it's like, whoa, wait a minute. Uh, This Houston team is really darn good. You're going to see them, obviously, this weekend. Then you're going to go back to Texas. Uh, You just look at the numbers. They're really a complete team. They can beat you a lot of different ways. When you look at all the data and everything that you guys do before you start a series, what are you seeing with the Houston Astros?
7: Yeah, well, as you talk about, they've got some professional hitters. Um, Brantley's out for this series, uh, who's one of their, you know, professional hitters that that is in the middle of that lineup. So, you know, controlling Jordan will be a big, uh, you know, big thing for us. Keeping Altuve off the bases uh, and really just playing good defensively um, and taking advantage of the opportunities from the offensive standpoint to score some runs. Uh, you know, Jose Urquidy tonight. Um, Valdez tomorrow and then Odorizzi on Sunday. So, uh, you know, we know what's in front of us. I think we play Houston nine out of the next uh, 15 or 17 games. Um, so, uh, you know, we're going to stack up with them this weekend and uh, go out and, and just our goal is to uh, to win some games and, and play some good baseball.
2: I'm glad you brought up the defense. Your defense lately has looked so much better uh, looks far more athletic. Just how happy have you been with your defense?
7: Yeah, defense has played really well this last series against Toronto. Uh, some big defensive plays, big swinging momentum plays. Nick Allen, you know, on a ball that was relayed into second base, had the awareness, the instinct to, to turn around, fire home, and uh, and get Kirk going home. It would have been bases loaded one out. Uh, instead, it was first and second with two outs, and we, we got out of that inning. So, um, you know, our defense, like you talk about, we're getting more athletic. Uh, it, it's been fun to see some of these younger guys, like you talk about, with Nick Allen. Uh, obviously, Jonah Bride's been hurt, um, but, but some of their energy uh, and excitement, enthusiasm, uh, athleticism, uh, you know, being brought up to the big leagues.
2: When you think about that trip to Texas, how tough is that when you know you're gonna take on Houston, then after this you get on the plane immediately. You got the Rangers, Houston before the All Star break. I gotta think that's not easy.
7: Oh, it's, it's you know nothing is easy. It, it seems in in this level, uh, you're challenged every day. There's good teams in front of you, um, and you know we're uh, we're looking forward to getting to Texas. It'll be our first trip to Texas actually. So we've got two more within the next two months. Um, so we're gonna play right. the Rangers and the Astros quite a bit. Um, they're already, they're in our division and, uh, in order to be, uh, be, we've got to beat these teams. So, uh, looking forward to it. And, uh, I know some of these guys haven't been to the new stadium there, uh, in Texas, but, uh, it, it's a beautiful ballpark and, uh, uh, it's indoors. So we'll escape some heat there.
2: Well, th- this is going to be our last interview until after the all-star break. Do you got any big plans? What, 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 what's, what, what? What does the skipper of the A's do during the All Star break just to get away from baseball?
7: Uh, well, with having a double header on that Thursday and a twelve thirty five game, uh, there's not much room to really travel uh, except to go back home, be in San Diego uh, with my family, spend two full days there, and then get on a plane and uh, and fly back up here to Oakland and finish out the season.
2: And, of course, the draft's going to be happening at that time. When you look back at when you were drafted, obviously a first-rounder, were you? you were like eight or ninth, right?
7: Yeah, I was the ninth pick. I was one pick in front of uh, the Oakland Athletics pick number 10, which was Eric Chavez that year. And uh, I was drafted by the Marlins. There was a bunch of us who uh, were in the USA baseball program as, as preparing for the Olympics in 96. We were all – in Millington, Tennessee. Um, and, you know, excited about who was going to be taken when. And, uh, I remember the phone call came in, Skip Burton was our manager and we were all in a barracks, uh, literally and, uh, waiting phone calls. And Chris Benton was the first pick of that draft in 1996. And I think m- most of, if not all, uh, outside of the two sophomores we had on our Olympic team were drafted that year. And, 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 uh, um, at some point, had pretty successful major league careers.
2: Wait a minute! What do you? You're in a barracks. Where? Where? Where's all the? Where's all the hoopla? Where's all the television cameras? Where's all the agents? Where's all the hangers-on and the jewelry and everything around all these future <laughs> star players? What are you? You guys are hanging around in just shorts, t-shirts, and a barracks.
7: Well, 26 years ago, it was yeah, and the and the payphone on the wall where. It would ring, and you'd go down, and, and it was, you know, hey, this is Oren Freeman from the Florida Marlins. Congratulations. We drafted you ninth overall. Have a good summer, and we'll connect when you get done with the Olympics. That was the phone call. So, um, you know, there was no cell phones. There was no pictures, <laughs> and definitely no media cameras.
2: Oh, my God. Nowadays, you got guys out there, that with, like they're picking a college. They'll have, like, four hats, and they're playing, you know, which hat is it going to be? You didn't have all that going to Fullerton either?
7: Uh, No, I had George Horton in my house uh, basically alone offering me, you know, a chance to play college baseball, which I didn't think would ever happen. And so that was an easy decision for me as well.
2: (laughs) When you look back and you go through that draft, there's going to be negotiations. Let's end on this. What advice would you give a guy who's going to be a top ten pick? Because obviously, this is going to change your life forever.
7: It'll change your life forever. I would say that if you know there's opportunity for you to um, you know get school paid for if you're a college athlete uh, to to finish out that degree at some point, uh, it's it's important. And you know, from the the pure dollar standpoint, um, whatever you're being offered. Um, will be enough for you to definitely be provided for if you're in the top 10 as you're speaking about. And I would say this, if you're a high school athlete, um, you definitely need to make sure uh, the compensation is is worth uh, foregoing an opportunity really to to, uh, have life experiences Uh, that you won't ever get back from 18 to 20 to be a part of a college baseball team, to have the maturation process of living on your own or living in with a roommate. Um, Really, really the the most important thing I think my message would be to the high school athlete is it's got to set you up for, you know, close to the the rest of your life. Because the reality of Major League Baseball, there's no way that at 18 years old you're prepared to go into this, you know, into a situation where you're living on your own or living amongst teammates and, and there's really no one there to help you through uh, the difficult times. So uh, the draft is fun. It's exciting. And uh, everyone should be excited about that opportunity to go to professional baseball. But the reality is, it's, it's, uh, it's a real deal.
2: Good luck this weekend. Good luck in Texas. Enjoy the break with your family down in San Diego, and we will talk to you when, after the All-Star game and after the All-Star break. Sounds good, Tony. Great stuff, the Mark Kotze Show. Is that it? We're out of here?
3: Yeah, well, you
2: got about 11 minutes till pregame starts. Oh, there's going to be panic. I got to get going. Um you're going to San Diego for a wedding?
3: Correct. Constance and I talked about that earlier. Will, will, will this wedding actually go? Uh, again, the groom's going to be riding it on a jet ski, so it better happen. Because the last wedding you went to two weeks ago, three weeks ago? Two weeks ago. Yeah. Got called off. Got called off. So we'll see. I'll update you tomorrow. The wedding's at 4, I think. Have you ever thought it could be you? I told my wife that you said that we could be the, the uh, what, what would you call us? The, the ble- black cat. The black cat of, of, of weddings. Because yeah, it would be our second one since we've been married. So. All right. Well, we better go because you got to get upstairs.
2: All right, fine. I'm done. If you don't want good programming, you don't want Ryan Stanek. If you if you don't want Sparksy, if you don't want David Force, you don't want Mark Kotze. Then you don't want me. You don't want good content. You don't want a good show before Astros and A's. Wish Emo was here,
3: but we'll get him next week. We Emo did make it on camera. Yeah, he yeah. Okay, so he did get it. Yeah, he was on the reviews.
2: All right, who we playing?
3: We're gonna do uh, the community swallow. Stephanie Gaywood previewing the. Broadcast auction we're doing tonight on NBC Sports California.
2: That's some great stuff. Yeah.
1: All right. We'll be back at about 10. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than the Last die Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last die Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Die Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdiebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to LastDiveBar.com. That's LastDiveBar.com. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.